All right, if you're ready, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 to 36. Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 to 36. I read. It says, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were perfectly made whole and were blessed by the reading of God's word. I am concluding, I am continuing concluding the series I have titled, How to Design the Anointing, and this is part three. How to Design the Anointing, and this is part three. We have already established that the anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. The anointing is the burden removing and yoke-destroying power of God. And so that means the anointing has the ability to destroy every yoke and to remove every burden that the enemy places on God's people. Remember, the purpose of a burden is to slow you down. The purpose of a burden is to slow you down. And the purpose of a yoke is to impede your speed. The enemy doesn't want you to go fast in life. He doesn't want you to go very fast in the area of your calling. But once you discover the power in the anointing, then you are able to activate the power in the anointing to destroy that yoke of stagnation, to remove the burden so that you can be on the highway of life. And I see God increasing your speed in the name of Jesus. I said I see God increasing your speed in the name of Jesus. Whatever has slowed you down after today, the Lord will increase your speed in the mighty name of Jesus. The days of others overtaking you are over. It's a new season for you. It's a season where God will move you from the back to the front in the mighty name of Jesus. So the scripture we read in the book of Matthew chapter 14 verse 35, the Bible says that when the men of that place had knowledge of him, talking about Jesus, The word knowledge there means discernment. When they were able to discern who he is or who he was, they reacted immediately to that that discernment. The Bible says that the moment they discern that he is able to heal and to deliver and to save, guess what they did? They sent out into all that country, ran about them, and brought all that were diseased. 
all that were diseased. Why? Because the healer was in town. The healer was right by them. Do you know that it is possible, like I've always said, to be in a great church like this and not walk in the blessing? You can be at a place of grace and not benefit from that grace. Jesus is God. Yet when Jesus showed up in his own hometown, they didn't believe that he was God. Mark chapter 6 from verse 1 to 6. The Bible says that when Jesus got there, he could do no miracle. He could do nothing. Not that he was not anointed. He was very anointed. Not that he's not powerful. This is God in the flesh. But because of their familiarity, they limited their anointing over Jesus. Like the saying go, you can lead a horse to the riverside, but you cannot force the horse to drink. Now, let me say this. If you are in this church, everything that pertains to life and godliness is here. I said it's here. And you can partake of it. But the only way you can partake of it is to have the spirit of discernment. Remember last week we were talking about one of the gifts. One of the gifts of the spirit is the ability to discern. Paul said, I don't want you to be what? Ignorant. So discernment is key. In these last days, discernment is so important. Do you want to know where the church is at the moment? Do you want to know where the body of Christ is prophetically? We are in the book of Jude 4. Jude verse 4. Let me show you where we are as, as a body of Christ. Jude is just before the book of Revelation. Jude verse 4. Now when you read from verse 3... Verse 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So that means we have to contend for the faith. You have to contend for our faith because if we don't contend for it, there are certain men who have crept in on our ways. Look at verse 4. Verse 4, the Bible says that, for there are certain men who have crept in, in where? Into the church, into the body of Christ, on our ways, who were before of old ordained for this condemnation. They are ungodly men. They are turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We see it happening. They are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. So that's where the church is prophetically. So we need the spirit of discernment to be able to know that this is of God and this is not of God. Why? Because your salvation is important. Who you listen to matters. 
the church you goes to matters. Very important and very crucial. And so they were with Jesus, yet they didn't have the spirit of discernment. They didn't know that this is Jesus Christ of Nazareth sitting right by their side. How sad. In life, many pray for things. God bless me. God bless me. God bless me. And that God releases the blessing in an unexpected source. And they are sitting by the blessing. And they are still crying, God bless me, God bless me. And God said, I've already blessed you. <laughs> God, give me wisdom. God has already given you wisdom. He said, God, give me a man. I want to marry. I want to marry this year. God, I want to marry. God, I want to marry. This is my year. This is my year. Yeah, God brought the man. God brought the woman. But you're looking somewhere else. Many were not expecting Jesus to be born in a manger. He's God, but he was born in a manger. If you put two and two together, you would not expect God to be born in a manger. But that's how God is. God will always wrap his answers in unexpected places. And you need discernment to be able to know that this is God. This is what God is doing. This is the will of God. This is how God wants you to have it. Can I say something? Don't ever come to God with a preconceived answers. If you are praying to God and asking God to do something for you, don't, don't already have the answer in mind. <laughs> or else you miss God. Are you following what I'm saying? So this is why discernment is so crucial. You need to have the spirit of discernment to be able to discern the right moment, your Kairos moment. Jesus wept over Jerusalem, not because of anything, because he said, oh Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, for you have not known your time of your visitation. They lack discernment. They lack discernment. Is it possible that what you've been praying for, God has already answered? Do you remember that woman who, whose husband was a prophet? Second Kings chapter 4. Who the creditors were coming to take her two sons. Do you remember that woman? And she came to the prophet Elisha and was crying. And the prophet asked her, what do you have in your house? She said, I have a small jar of oil. I have nothing save a small jar of oil. You remember that? Now, what did the prophet say? say? Go borrow empty vessels, go and pour that jar of oil into those empty vessels, sell them, pay off your debts, and then you and your children leave off the rest. What she needed was in her house. Yet she was dying. The answer was in her house. 
their answer was where? In her house. But she lacked discernment. Could it be possible that what you've been praying for, God has already answered? (laughs) You're still banging on heaven's door. God went, God went. God said, I've already answered. I answered you 10 years ago. I answered you 15 years ago. And the only way you're going to be able to discover the answer is through what discernment. So Jesus was by them. And their families were dying. Their relatives were dying. They did not know that this is the one who was going to heal them and deliver them from all their diseases and all their iniquities. Listen to me, church. Discernment is very important. Discernment is what? Very, very important. And if you don't have the spirit of discernment, I pray for you that God will give you the spirit of discernment. Do you know that many's destiny have been derailed because some bad friends have come into their lives and they could not discern that this person has come as a Delilah for their anointing over the life of Samson. Many have lost their anointing, not knowing that a Delilah has been sent to destroy the anointing. I always say that the devil, when he lays a siege, he's not in a rush. <laughs> when the enemy lays a siege, he is not in a rush. So it's not how long someone has been with you. (laughs) It's not how long someone has been your friend. When the enemy comes to lay a siege, he is not in a rush. There's a story, true story, of a lady who went to a church, sent to a church to destroy the pastor. And when she went, you know, she maneuvered her way, you know, into the topmost position, sitting right behind the pastor. The pastor's wife was, you know, more like a prayer warrior, you know, PA, confidant, stroke everything. Everything. And, and they didn't know. So every year, Year was go year by year gone year gone, and then one day, one day unfortunate incident happened. You know, her and the pastor ended up in a place where they were not supposed to be. And then, after they did the thing, and the pastor was wearing his business, the lady was in the bed. And guess what she said? She said, I have been waiting seven years for this. So from day one, when she was sent there, that was her mission 
She said, I've been waiting seven years for this mission accomplished. When the enemy comes to lay a siege, he's not in a rush. Judas was one of Jesus' disciples. It's not how close someone is to you for you to think that they always have your best at heart. It's time for you to walk in the spirit of discernment, to question why are people around you? They're important. And it takes the spirit of discernment to be able to discern those moments accurately. There are some people in your life right now that are not supposed to be in your life. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. You and I are not more anointed than Samson. Samson was more anointed than all of us. Samson prophetically was told what to eat, what not to eat. Yet, he backslided. That's why the Bible says that he who thinks that he stands, let him be careful lest he falls. When the enemy comes to lay a siege, he's not in a rush. Until the business that he's been sent for has not been accomplished, he or she is not going anywhere. So open your eyes and begin to walk in discernment. Now in saying that, that's not now you're going to go now opening and say, who is, who is which of my friends? Are you the one? Are you not the one? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. So discernment is crucial. Discernment is crucial. Please hear this. What you do after discerning the anointing shows your understanding and value and appreciation for the anointing. You see, the purpose of the anointing is to what? Is to bless you. Remember, the anointing is the body removing, yoke destroying what? Power of God. So when you discover the anointing, the anointing is supposed to benefit you and people around you and generations yet unborn, right? So what you do when you discover the anointing is important. It actually determines whether you have really discovered it, you have discerned it or not. That's what the Bible says in the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 9. We'll read this and we'll go back to it again. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 9. The Bible says that, and she said, talking about this woman who was very wealthy, she said to her husband, behold now, I perceive that this man is a what? Is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. It says, behold, what now? So that means all this while, she did not perceive. The word perceive there is to discern. The word perceive means to acknowledge. The word perceive means to identify. The word perceive means to see. 
The Bible says that now, she said, she said unto her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God which passes us continually. So that means the man of God was passing by every day. Every day. Let's just assume for a year. But she never discerned until one day. Same as Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 and 36. Jesus was by them, but they didn't know. So could you be at the place of the anointing and still not know? Yes. Remember Jacob? Jacob woke up and said, surely God was in this place and I knew it not. Jacob saw angels ascending and descending. Jacob was right in the house of God. She, he saw angels ascending and descending and he said, surely God was in this place and I knew it not. Why? He didn't have discernment. So this prophet, Elisha, was walking by continually every day. Every day. They could see him every day going up and down. Every day. Until the Bible says that behold one day. She said behold now. I perceive. I envisage. I now see that this is a holy man of God. And guess what? Listen to me. This is very important. The way you see someone determines how you treat them. Isn't that right? If you see someone wrong, you treat them wrong. Remember that miracle Jesus did in the book of Mark chapter 8 when that man who was blind and, and Jesus spits and, and, and wipes sand and, and, and then he said, do you see? And he said, I see men like trees. Right? And Jesus said, come here. Because if you see men like trees, you're going to cut them down. Jesus said, no, come back here. And what did Jesus do? Jesus did the miracle again. And then she is now said, now I can see men what? Clearly. So the way you see someone determines how you treat them. The way you perceive, that's why your perception is so important. If you cannot see Jesus, he can't bless you. If you don't perceive that Jesus is the Holy One of God, he cannot bless you. The woman, the, you know, the story behind this woman is that she needed a, a son. She's been barren. She was a very wealthy man, wealthy woman. She had everything, but she didn't have a child. And at this point, the Bible says that her husband was at a good old age. And guess what happened? The man who was going to bless them, pray over them to have a child, was walking there every day. 
every year. Every year for years. And they were crying, oh God, give us a baby. The answer was passing by their door. Every day, continually. I wonder why the prophet didn't use another route. I'm sure she'll stand on top of a root, on top of a roof, and see, there goes the man. There goes the prophet. There he goes. There goes the prophet. John chapter 4, verse 9, or verse 19. John chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 4. You remember the story, the woman at the well? John chapter 4. Verse 19. John 4, 19. Look at what the woman said after Jesus. This woman, Jesus told her everything about her. Remember? And look how he respond. She said, the Bible said, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. At what point did she perceive? After a long time. <laughs> My prayer for you is that God will open the eyes of your understanding. So that you can see for yourself. You see, the church of today is very gullible. Very, very gullible. We don't read our Bible. We don't research the scripture for ourselves. Everything we see, somebody comes on TV and says, we believe it. The Bible says that the church in Berea, they'll go back and check what Paul had preached. Everything. My desire is that this church will always go back and research everything I've taught you for you to see it for yourself. That what I'm teaching you is there. That's what the word says and that's what you are doing. It's time for us to walk in discernment. We cannot be deceived. The Bible says that in the last days even the very elect will be deceived. The very elect. Would you call yourself the elect? Would you call yourself the elect? Do you know what the elect have to go through before they are, they are elected? It says the very elect will be deceived. Why am I teaching this? Because we are living at the end time, at the last days of the last days. So we need discernment. We can't just come and shout and scream and go home. Inspiration is good, praise God. I believe in inspiration. But there's a place for inspiration. I think the time has come for the body of Christ to go back to teaching systematic theology. For us to understand the things we are fighting with. Because the things we are fighting with is, is, is unimaginable. 
So we cannot afford to be ignorant. Are you following what I'm saying? We can't afford to be what? Ignorant. Because we are living in the last days of the last days. So we need discernment on the highest level. He said, I perceive that you are a prophet. I perceive. Now, how do you perceive? How can you discern? This is how Jesus puts it. He said, by their fruits, you shall what? Know them. What fruit is Jesus talking about? Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Thank you, Jesus. What fruit is Jesus really talking about? <laughs> you know, because remember Jesus said, many will come to me at the last day and say, Jesus, I did miracles in your name. I did this in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. I know you not. Ye workers of what? Iniquity. So what did they work their iniquity in? In the name of Jesus. You remember Acts chapter 19 from verse 13 downwards? The sons of Sceva. You remember them? They said, we cast you out in the name of Jesus Christ whom Paul preaches. The seven sons of Sceva. You remember them? And, and the demon said, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but you, who are you? So the fact that somebody is using the name of Jesus does not necessarily mean he or she is called. But how are you going to be able to discern? How would you know that this one is truly called and this one is not called? Jesus said, by their fruit. What fruit is Jesus talking about? Not the miracles, not the signs, because the devil can also produce miracles. The devil can produce signs. He can produce everything the kingdom of God can produce in the opposite. Remember the magicians of Pharaoh. They did exactly the same miracles Moses did. Same, like for like. Like for like, same. So how are you going to know that this is called a called man or a called woman of God? This is a genuine anointing. And hear me, hear me. By their fruit you shall know them. Anywhere you see men applauding other men. For instance, this is the trend we see a lot in the area of the prophetic. When you go to a church where you see somebody, a prophet, a so-called prophet comes and says, uh, Sister Stella, that's your name, right? Yes, because in this church, we, have, we, we can have a thousand Stellas. So there's someone here they are Stella, Stella, Stella. And um, the moment he says Stella, the crowd begins to chant and to praise the so-called prophet. Check, check the scriptures. Why are we praising the man and not God? Why are we giving accolades to the man? Why are you giving accolades to the man? Now you are taking the place of God 
and saying you are God. And they start jubilating. He's this, prophet this, and this is, they have all kinds of titles. Okay, and, and that's all he has been able to do is mention somebody. Why do I need to? Why do I need to know my name? Why do God have to reveal my name to me? I already know my name. God, tell me something I don't know. Why does God have to t- give me my address? I already know my address. Why does God have to give me my phone number? I already know my phone number. My phone number has nothing to do with my destiny. And that's where the gullibility, the gullibility comes in. And then the people started shouting, hey. And then they started giving that so-called prophet accolades and starting giving him all kinds of titles. He's this, he's this, he's, he's that. It's not of God. Because by their fruit, there could be thousands and thousands and thousands there. It doesn't mean it's of God. (laughs) It doesn't mean it's of God. When the children of Israel were asking God to give them a king, God said to Samuel, I am against it, but give it to them. Give them a king. They have rejected me, not you, Samuel. Give them so. They said, give us a king like the other countries, like the other nations. It doesn't mean God approves of it. (laughs) Hallelujah. So when they start calling that person names, and then that person is also excited. Yeah, I am this. And look, look, look at them. Look at the way they operate. They operate in the midst of shouting and confusion. They'll call 10 people. Say something little about this one. Go. Say something a little about this one. Go. Say something. That, that is not of God. You should know. Because Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Let's read. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, beware of what? Beware of what? Who is saying this? Is it me saying it? Who is saying that? So Jesus knows that there will be false what? Prophets. And can we see them? Oh, in multitudes. In multitudes. And many TV or radio stations these days don't have guidelines. Don't have accurate theological and doctrinal guidelines before people are put on TV or on radio. All the television stations and radio stations are interested in is, do you have the money? Can you pay for it? If you can pay for the airtime, we'll put you on. We don't care what you're preaching. We need to be careful. Jesus said, beware of what false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, 
but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So see how they come. They come what in sheep's clothing. Why? Because if they come in wolf's clothing, you run away. <laughs> what Jesus is saying here is that they will use the words you are acquainted with. They come as sheep because they know you are sheep. So they'll come as a sheep. They'll say, praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord, sister. They'll come as sheep. They'll come in sheep clothing, but within them, they are wolves. How are you going to know that he or she is a wolf unless you have the spirit of discernment? Because the cloth you see on him is sheep. You are sheep, so you can identify sheep. We need discernment in these last days. Jesus said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. It says, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth what? Good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every, now, now, this is, this is very deep what Jesus is saying. You need discernment to know that this fruit is corrupt or not corrupt. Because there are fruits these days that are chemically produced, chemically ripened. They are not naturally ripened. So you need discernment to know that mm, this is chemically ripened. You see a mango and say, oh, this is a good mango. Ah. Ah. Even chicken these days are injected with water. They are pumped with water and they become big. What happened to those days where you have to naturally rear the chicken to grow up and the bones to be hard? Any chicken you eat that you can't crack the bone with your teeth is not a chicken. It's no chicken. Yeah. So listen to what Jesus is saying. Verse 19 of Matthew chapter 7. He said, every tree that brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And we'll see that. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? So there are some of the prophecies that are in the name of Jesus, but they are not of God. Have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name have we cast out devils? Can they do that? Yes. So you can see that they are casting out devils in the name of Jesus. 
And in thy name, we have done wonderful works. Is that true? Yes. Verse 23, Jesus said, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. So we need discernment. You need discernment to, to discern the works that they are doing. I pray for you that God will open the eyes of your understanding that you'll be able to discern that this is a true anointing, that this is not a true anointing. You need discernment. And especially many people who are in desperate and dying situations. Especially people who are in desperation. They are the people who are preyed upon. Jesus said, beware of false prophets, for they'll come in sheep's clothing. There are, there are some, you know, some guys who have come to this church interested in members, ladies in members of this church, and I tell the ladies, no, this one, be careful. They will not listen. They will not listen. Because they think pastor wants to sit on their joy. <laughs> they won't listen. And the next thing, you see they have baby out of wedlock. And then the next thing, they are, they are ashamed. The next thing, they have backslided. The next thing, the guy is beating them up. The next thing, the guy have left them. The next thing, they have three, four children without a father. If only they will listen. You see, these people come in like sheep. They come in like sheep. They have the right words. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. What a powerful service today. Today's message was glorious. It just came straight from the throne room of God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll tell you. I said, I just came. This one, I just pastor heard from God. Pastor heard from God. And they'll kiss you. Judas, Jude, Jude, Judas kissed Jesus with a kiss. After you finish with the message, they are the first person to come and kiss you. Ah, Jesus, I love you. My message was powerful. The fact that they kiss you doesn't mean they love you. Jesus betrayed, Judas betrayed Jesus with a what? With a kiss. Yeah. Yeah. So you need discernment. You need discernment. You, we, need, we need discernment like never before. If there's anything you want to pray for the gifting, you don't need to pray for power. We already have the power. You don't need miracle signs. We already have all of those. Now all we need is, Father, give me discernment. That's why I'm even careful who to invite as a pastor into this church. 
to preach. I've had people who, who, you know, pastors, talking behind other pastors, criticizing other pastors. And then the next thing, they go and stand on their pulpit preaching. I said, look at this one. What happened to integrity? I'd rather sleep on my pillow and not have no pastor friend calling me than someone who will call and malign and talk about others' evil. And then the next thing, you see them eating together. And woe unto you when they are talking and you say something. Ah, woe unto you. They'll go to those people and say, ah, you said this and this and that. So we need discernment. Finally, as we get ready to close. Now, I asked a question earlier. What do you do after you've discerned the anointing? What do you do? What you do shows your understanding, number one. It shows your value and your appreciation for the anointing. Remember when that woman at the well in John chapter 4 discerned that Jesus was a prophet? What did she do? She went about the whole village and called everyone to come and do what? To come and hear Jesus. Now let's look at what the woman who needed a child did when she perceived that this was a holy man of God. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 4 from verse 8. Are you getting something out of this? Are you getting something out of this? Or is this too boring teachings for you? You want fire. Do you want fire? You want fire? You want discernment. Praise God. Second Kings chapter 4 from verse 8. I read the Bible says that, And it fell on the day that Elisha passed to Shunan, where there was a great woman. Underline that. She was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. I want you to notice what she did. She stopped Elisha so that Elisha could eat bread. So it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in hither to do what? To eat bread. Now notice what this woman was feeding the prophet with. Just bread. Right? Remember I said earlier, that your discernment, the way you see people, determines how you treat them. Remember I said that? Now, at this point, this woman doesn't know anything about the prophet. So, all she knows is, this is just a man who goes by our house every time. And she constrained him to give him what? Bread. Only bread. Now, verse 9, the Bible says that, and she said unto her husband, behold, now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. So as the man of God was passing by, she was giving the man of God bread from time to time. And then all of a sudden, she went to her husband and said to her husband, now I perceive that this is not just an ordinary man, but he is a holy man of God. That's my prayer. If anybody wants to describe me anywhere that they don't know me, they must say this is a holy man of God. A a man that is holy. Now notice, the woman did not describe 
or describe this prophet by the miracles. But she described him by his character. He is a holy man of God. How many of those so-called prophets you say they are a holy man of God? They say, my character has nothing to do with my gifting. That is a lie. Your giftings and your character must be the same. Your private life and your public life must be the same. It must be one. God does not believe in double standards. God believes in integrity. So the woman said, this is a holy man of God. Understand? The Bible says, and look at what she said. Now the the moment she perceived and discerned who this man of God was, look at her reaction. Verse 10. The Bible says that she said, let us make a little chamber. Now, before, she was only giving him bread. Before, when she did not discover who he was, they were only giving him bread. Now that she now sees that this is a true prophet, this is a genuine anointing, this is not a false prophet or a fake prophet or a fake anointing. She said, let us build him a little chamber. Now let's move from bread and give him a higher honor. Let's give him a house. See, what you do after discerning the anointing is so important. Your actions determines whether you have really discerned the anointing or not. The way you treat the house of God determines whether you have discovered whether this house is truly a house of God or not. The Bible says that she said, let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall and let us set for him there a bed, number one, number two, a table, number three, a stool, meaning a chair, Number four, a candlestick. Look at the things. Number one, a house. The house must be on top of our house. Oh, I love that. The house must be on top of our house because when you discern the anointing, you don't place the anointing below you, you place the anointing above you. Anything you place below you can't bless you. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 7. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 7. It says beyond all controversy, the less is blessed by the greater. The greater one only blesses the lesser one. Let's put all things aside Understand this, that the only anointing that can bless you is the anointing that you honor. If you don't honor the anointing, it cannot bless you. It cannot bless you. The anointing you dishonor cannot bless you. Please get this. What is this woman teaching us? That when you discover what this anointing goes through, the cost of the anointing, you can no longer devalue the anointing. 
When you understand this, nobody has to manipulate you, even less you giving as an example. Nobody has to tell you what to give, how to give, when to give. Giving is not an issue in this church. Nobody puts pressure on you to give. But when you understand the cost of the oil, what he has done for you. <laughs> when you look back and look at where he brought you from. Look at what he brought you through. Look at what the, he did for you, the deliverance. You know, a couple of days ago, on one of the services, I was holding my son in my arms and I was just sharing tears and grateful and saying, Father, thank you that we are standing at the end of the year and I'm holding my son in my hands. The devil could have snatched him. Can you place monetary value on that? No. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits? When you understand this, you become selfless. You don't think about yourself, you think about the world. This one said, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God. Because he's a holy man, we can't give him bread like we used to. He needs, he needs a house. He needs a little chamber. When you read the scriptures carefully, he needs it above. His, his room was above theirs. And not only that, they gave him a bed, bed representing rest. If the anointing rests, you will have rest. Amen. You see, many people, that's what the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, we have twisted the whole equation. Seeking first means placing him first. He's number one in my life. He's worth more than anything. Today, somebody will say, why should I build God a house? Why shall I give towards a building fund? Why shall I give? You don't understand the anointing. You don't understand the anointing. If you are at a stage where you are debating, shall I tithe or shall I not tithe? Shall I give or shall I not give? Then you don't understand what you are in. When I look at footballers gather to watch 22 players kicking air, I don't get it. Now, when they see me in church, they won't get it. Because they think, why should he be in church? I'm also thinking, why are you in football? Under, under, in snow, you are watching football, sitting there in snow. It's raining, you are watching football. It's crazy. I can watch it on TV. Why should I pay money to go and watch people? Are you following what I'm saying? Now, that is his religion. He honors that religion. He buys panaphilias. He buys jerseys. He pays season tickets. He pays for all of that. Now, when I come and I'm tithing, why do you criticize my tithing? This is my love for God. This is what I believe in. This is, this, this is as simple as ABC. Where your love is, 
That's where your treasure is. My love is for God. So my whole giving comes to the house of God. Why do you put petrol in your car? Why do you put petrol in your car? Because what you give to will give back to you. If you don't put petrol in your car, you can't go from A to Z. Simple as that. Whatever I have came from God. The Bible says, what is it that we have that we have not received? That should tell you that I'm only a steward. Nothing but a steward. Of everything he's given me, I have to be a good steward. So when you understand the anointing, your reaction, your attitude, this is not emotionalism. You, it's, it's just simple. Before then, this woman was giving the man of God bread. Now that she perceives it's a holy man of God, it's a genuine anointing, it's a true anointing, she said, no way, we can't give him bread anymore. We can't, we can't treat him like we used to treat him because our life is tied to this anointing. And somebody will criticize, why, why is she giving her house to the church? You don't know that, you don't know, you don't know what Jesus has done for me. The blind man said, I was once blind, but now I can see. That's what, you, you can't understand. I mean, they said, this, this Jesus is a liar. He didn't heal you. They said, well, that's, that's your opinion. But as for me, I was once blind. This Jesus has healed me. Now I can see. This is an experiential knowledge. It's not theory. It's not thesis. This is what I have experienced of God. Hallelujah. So she made a bed for her, for him. They put a table there so he can study. They put a, a, a light there. They put a chair. They put a light. They make sure there is light in the prophet's house. So he can see the word is a light. If he can't see, listen, you can go as far as your light. If, if your set man of God cannot study, if he's limited, you'll be limited. <laughs> if he's limited, you will be limited. But if he's going far, you will go far. Now, it's simple as ABC. If there's only one lane and everybody is going on that one lane, right? And there is traffic. You can go as far as the one in front of you. Isn't that right? If the one in front of you is going 70 miles per hour, you can't go 110 miles per hour. So common wisdom is that pray that the one in front of you will go faster so you can also go faster. That's how simple it is. That's, that is what it means to honor the anointing. So that's what the woman did. She put everything to make this man of God comfortable. The Bible says, and, say that, and it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in hither. Verse 11. And it fell on that day that he came hither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. So the man of God made good use of what they have made for him. Verse 12, the Bible says that, and he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. 
And when he had called her, he stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast done, thou hast been careful for us. With all this care, what is to be done for thee? Can you see? Can you see the effect of the anointing? You see, you can't honor God and God not honor you back. He said, what shall we do for you? And listen, will thou be spoken to the king or to the captain of the host? In other words, do you have immigration problems? It says, then the woman answered, and she answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I don't have immigration issues. I'm already sorted. But she only had one issue. Her issue is that she didn't have a child. And the Bible says, and her husband was old. And the prophet said to her, next year about this time, you'll have a child. And she said to the man of God, man of God, please don't lie to me. Uh, Please don't deceive me. I only did this because I have now discovered and discerned the anointing. I just wanted to honor the anointing. But the Bible says that the following year, even though the husband was old, this woman had a child according to the word of the prophet. What am I teaching you, church? That when you discern the anointing, the way you relate to the anointing must change. Never be familiar with the anointing or else something that is supposed to bless you, you'll be there forever and the blessing is so come. When I discover these truths, I am careful. I never criticize any man of God. Listen, we are all men and women of God. There's no man that is perfect. There's no woman that is perfect. That's why we are called men and women of God. We are men first before God comes. We eat just like you eat. We cry just like you cry. We sleep just like you sleep. We are men or we are not angels. That should tell you that it takes grace to do what we are doing. So when you see a weakness in a man, a true man, a true man of God, your place is not to join the people who criticize and start criticizing. We are not saying they are perfect, but the scriptures are clear. Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. And God is no respecter of persons. I've seen many people's lives derailed just by criticizing set men and set women of God. It's time for us to take this message of discernment to the next level. There's so much I could teach you, but we don't have the time in Jesus' name. My prayer for you is that God will open the eyes of your understanding for you to be able to discern the true anointing that you will not be misled. You will not be deceived. God will give you the spirit to be able to identify from right and from wrong. Listen, like I said, this is not just a black and white. This is gray and gray. This is differentiating between gray and gray. And it takes the spirit of discernment to be able to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you receive it today?
Hallelujah. Let's give Jesus a better praise. Praise God. Let's rise up on our feet.